Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Join me if you would in uh, First Corinthians. Open your Bibles, First Corinthians, chapter number eleven. And now this is a familiar text, um, and we use it. In fact, we'll use it this upcoming Sunday as we celebrate Lord's Supper, communion service. But that's not what we're going to talk about tonight. I want to just take a verse out here. That's good, Jim. Got it. Thank you, sir. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at this theme here, adversity, right? Uh, remember that? Uh, something that I think every one of us here were acquainted with, right? Adversity. And we looked at a, we highlighted, uh, we pointed out a couple of the reasons as to why we go through adversity. Or maybe we even said it this way, why God allows adversity, maybe even sends some adversity into our lives, right? Remember that? Uh, just so we're on the same page, uh, let's talk just a moment, just a brief moment about it. But adversity, what, what, what are we talking about? We use that word adversity. What is, it, what is that talking about? Somebody, somebody help me here. Dennis? I'm sorry? Trials, troubles. Trials and troubles. Anybody, you want to add some of yours? You want to, how many of us know, know a little bit of what adversity is all about? Trials, troubles, difficulties, circumstances that are unpleasant. John? opposition. So you get the feeling, right? I mean, you get the idea, right? Um, we, I, think we, I think we know maybe what adversity is, but do we understand it? Do we understand as to why we as God's kids, after we get saved, the Holy Spirit abides within our lives, you know, God begins to change all kinds. Why, 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 why the adversity? You know, I think I highlighted this uh, when we introduced this study to where there, there have been times you probably have had these discussions with uh, some folks who just got saved, and man, they started going through some things, and they might come back, and they might say, you know, I thought that after I got saved, everything was just going to be, everything's going to work out. I thought everything was just going to be wonderful, right? And you, you, did you ever talk to somebody like that? Well, it's not that way, is it? Because, you know, we get saved, we still have to stay here. You know, we have to live on earth, and in this, you know, environment and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but I think it's important for us to understand adversity. And I want to highlight another uh, reason for it tonight. Look in, look in chapter 11 and one verse. Look at verse 25. The Bible says, uh, I'm sorry, verse 28. Uh, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. What I want to highlight are the words examine himself. Self-examination. You see that? Um, go to 2 Corinthians with me and chapter number 13. Now, don't, don't be, don't be, you don't need to be changing anything, guys. I'm good. We're going to go back there in just a moment and highlight that. 2 Corinthians, look at chapter 13. And again, we're just going to pick up on that, that same phrase, verse 5. Look what Paul says here. He says, uh, read it with me. Examine yourselves. 
Now here he says, whether ye be in the faith, right? Prove your own selves, know ye not your own selves. That's big. I'm going to come back to that, I promise, in just, in just a moment, okay? But let, let's do this. Let's, let's highlight once again, hey, my clicker's working, guys. Wow, I shouldn't have said anything. It'll probably fall apart on me. But I want to highlight once again these two verses. Look at that text once again. But let a man examine himself. Now, on Sunday, we'll take a little bit further and finish it, eat of that bread, drink of that cup. But right now, I want you to just, just absorb that for a second. But let a man examine himself, and then in chapter 13, verse 5 of 2 Corinthians, examine yourselves, and I like the part, uh, know ye not your own selves, right? Hang on to that. Uh, I think maybe Paul may have been saying to the Corinthians here, I think it's really good for you to uh, do a thorough self-examination, you know, uh, whether you be in the faith. You know, I don't think he was doubting their salvation, but uh, again, I don't know what his exact thoughts were. Prove your own selves, but I like the part, know ye not your own selves. How that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. So, understanding adversity. We said this last week. God uses it, and he uses it for good reasons. One, one of the reasons was this, you remember? It's God's way of getting our attention, right? Are you with me? God's way of getting our attention. Why is that? Why does God have to send some troubles, trials, or difficulties, or allow them to come into our lives to get our attention? Why is that? Come on, class. Come on. Help me out here. The world smothers you, right? Uh, so, you know, the world we live in is constantly trying to grab our attention. It's always competing for our attention. Isn't that right? And, and would, you, would, you, would you be willing to admit that every once in a while... We get a, a bit distracted, right? And God loves us so much, and he cares for us so much, and he sees maybe the distraction. And if he doesn't step in, we might get more distracted, you know? You aware of this? I, I just found this out to be true, that the teachings of being backslidden no, are no longer taught in churches. You ask some modern-day Christians, some young Christians, some newer converts, they have no clue. They, they, don't, don't, even have, they don't have a clue as to what the word backsliding means. You know? Do you? Huh? Yeah. Backsliding is, you know, you just, you just get distracted in life, and you, you, you get a little cold, and you get a little stale, and uh, you, you drift, you know? And the things that used to bring joy no longer bring joy. The things you used to do, you no longer do. Or you don't do it with the same intensity. You start to make soft choices, which become compromises. And compromise is always easier with repetition. Hello? Are you with me? And so God says, I love you too much to leave you the way you are, so I'm going to try to get your attention and bring you back. That was one of the reasons. Another was because God wants us to know how much he loves us. We looked at Hebrews, remember? Hebrews chapter number Number 12, where he talks about chastening, you know? And so sometimes God will send adversity into our lives to, to chasten us, to correct us, simply because he loves us. And the idea there in that text is, is this, that, you know, all good fathers that love their children correct their children, you know? 
And we went through a long list in the Bible study a couple weeks back. But tonight I want to look at this. I want to look at another reason, and that would be it's, it's God's call for self-examination. So why, why, why do we go through adversity? Why do we have hard times and troubles and difficulties? Why, why, why is that? Well, here's three good reasons. Tonight we want to look at that, that one reason, and that would be self-examination. Uh, you're aware of this. I, I, I believe you are because you've been around for a bit. Self-examination is not a New Testament item, right? In fact, it was employed, the principle of, of self-examination was employed way back in the Old Testament, you know, when God was preparing his people for the promised land, you know? Uh, you know the book of Deuteronomy? Did you ever read the book of Deuteronomy? It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, you know what Deuteronomy means? Anybody? No, that's a good, good try, Rich. You said self-examination. That's a good one, buddy. It means second, it's the second telling of the law. So it's just a repeat. And what, what happens in the book of Deuteronomy is Moses is repeating himself. Why? Listen carefully. Because the children of Israel were getting close, pay attention right here, they were getting closer to the promised land. They, they had already exited Egypt. You know, and in Exodus, book of Exodus, is where uh, God gives Moses the law to give to the people. Correct? And he's going to establish for them guidelines to live by. That's what the law was. God never gave them the law to save them. God gave the Israelites the law to guide them. Right? It's a guideline. By the way, the Old Testament hasn't been nullified because the New Testament has come. It's the Scriptures. Correct? Amen? Uh, however, when he gets to the book of Deuteronomy, now the Israelites are closer to getting into the promised land. And so he, once again, he, he restates what God had already told him to tell them back in the book of, of, uh, of Exodus. And so the book of Deuteronomy, it, listen to this, is a record of preparation. It's a record of preparation. And God's preparing his kids for the promised land. And, and here's, here's the whole idea. Pay attention right here. He was concerned that the Israelites would violate themselves when they got into the promised land. And so what does Moses do? Moses comes along, and he gives them a reminder. Uh, look at this text of Scripture, Deuteronomy 24, 22. He says this, And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, a servant, a slave. Therefore I command thee to do this thing. So if you read the whole text, what he's saying is this, as you go into the promised land, don't forget where you came from. Somebody say, Amen. That's pretty good counsel in life, isn't it? Huh. My dad, bless his heart, has been with the Lord now for a lot of years, uh, but he would always say this to me as I started to get into the ministry and, and preach, and, you know, young preachers are full of themselves. I mean, we just think we know it all, and, you know, we, we try to parrot our, our hero, you know. And, and my dad used to say this to me all the time, son, don't forget where you came from, and don't forget how you got to where you are. Keep your feet on the ground. Keep your head in the right place. Uh, and that's exactly what God is saying to Moses in challenging Moses to challenge the Israelites with. Same exact thing. Don't forget that you were a slave. Don't forget where you come from. In fact, what he's saying to them is this. Continue to examine yourself. Self-examination. It's important. Do you ever read this book, Proverbs? Proverbs 28, 13. Great Bible verse, isn't it? Huh? Let's read it together. Ready? Here we go. He that 
But whoso... Well, that was disconnected, wasn't it? Let's try that one more time. We can do better than that. You ready? Everybody, Proverbs 28, 13. He that... That's a valid principle. That's a valid text of Scripture, isn't it? Huh. And again, I think, I think when you look at that passage of Scripture, it's God requiring us to search our hearts. Now... I know this, man. Bob, I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. This is the Wednesday night crowd. Hmm? But let me just ask us, how often or when was the last time you did a thorough search of your heart? You remember what Jeremiah said about the heart? <laughs> yeah, it's deceitful and it's desperate. Jeremiah 17, 9, it's deceitful and desperately wicked. Huh? Would you, be, would you be mature enough to admit that you've been deceived by your own heart once or twice before? Huh? It's possible, isn't it? And so here, I think maybe some of the reasons God sends some difficulty into our lives is just to get us, pay attention here, just to slow down and pause and reflect and say, anything going on here that I, I need to point out? Hmm? When my children were very young, when they were just infants, I remember this vividly, that there would be times when, like, all of a sudden, like, they would get really ill. You know, kids, you know, sometimes all of a sudden they just sprout this high fever and, and really get ill. And, I mean, just out of nowhere. And, 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 it was, and I was a young Christian, you know, and I just coming along. And, and I would do this. I would often say, God, are you, are, you, are, are you trying to get my attention? Is that child sick because of something I did? Now, you might say, boy, that's, that's not the way God works. Please don't tell me that. Because I would rather judge myself constantly to make sure I'm right with him than to assume that I am. Uh, now, would God make my child sick to get my attention? I would love to tell you absolutely positively, no, God doesn't work that way. You know? However, but God did use that to get my attention. He may not have caused that child to get sick, but he certainly used it to get my attention. And it caused me to look within, and what, I'm not going to go back there because I got all messed up, as to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, to know your own self. That's the key, to know your own self. Because you know what we're good at? We are good at duping ourselves. Hello? We're good at duping ourselves. And so God requires that we search our hearts according to this text, confess our sin, then forsake our sinful way. Those who cover up their sin, of course, will not prosper, right? <clears throat> and so we see the principle established in the Old Testament. But then, then as we look at our text here uh, a moment ago in chapter number 11, go back there if you would, 1 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28, we see the principle is reinforced, right? So it's established in the Old Testament. It's reinforced in the New Testament because what we read there, and this is significant, right? We are at the Lord's table, the communion service, right? And, and Paul said this, Paul said to the church in Corinth, God, God left this for me to give to you, and now you need to do this as oft, you know, and, and do what? Well, you need to follow the instruction here. Part of the instruction, verse 28, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup, Right? 
And so once again, it comes right back to that where you and I are just going to take a quick look at what's going on inside. This upcoming Sunday, we'll have Lord's Table here. And part of it, part of the service will be, folks, let's just take a moment, let's pause for a moment, and let's just search our hearts. Right? Can I be, can I be frank with you? I've been doing this for a long time. You know, um, I think, I think m m March will be 35 years. So I started pastoring in 1988, 2023, 35 years. This, this March, 35 years, I've been a lead pastor of a church. And I, I probably can count on that hand how many times I've missed the Lord's Supper. You know? And having said that, I say this. So 20, you know, 25 years, early on we did it. We did it once a month, you know? That's 12 times a year. You know what I noticed a lot of? When we get to that part where I say, folks, let's just pause for a moment and search our hearts. It's almost me saying, folks, go ahead and do what you need to do, and I'll come back in just a moment. Say amen right there. Because we don't search our hearts. We don't. We don't do self-examination. We just don't. I often used to say this. Uh, folks, listen. Uh, you know, the Bible teaches that before... You know, before you bring your gift to the altar, how many knew that passage? You need to go ahead and make sure everything is good with you and somebody else. And so I'd say there's no better time than right now because you don't want to come to this table in an unworthy fashion. You'll never be worthy, but you don't want to come unworthily. Isn't that what the text says? And I'll say this, if there's something in your mind, in your heart against a brother or sister sitting in this room, I'll tell you something right now, it matters not who's looking, who's not looking, it ought to behoove you to get up and go over to that person and say, I need your forgiveness. You can get into the details later. Or if they're not in this room, make your mind up right now. When you leave here, you're going to call that person. Why? Because you don't want to harbor. I remember, I'll never forget this, Bob. One time I was praying. It was a long time ago. And I got to that part of confessing, you know, because you come to the place where our Lord will confess my sin. And, and sometimes it's just mechanical. And, uh, and, I, and I remember saying this. I said, now, Lord... Is, is, do you want to point anything out to me? And I mean as clear as I'm looking at you, Mike, God pointed out somebody to me. And I mean, I saw their face, and, and, and I prayed the prayer. I said, now, God, is there something in my heart? Is there somebody that is anything I need? And he, and he shows me a picture of this person. So you know what I did? I said, I don't have, I don't have a problem with that person. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. And I mean, like, immediately, the Spirit of God smote me, you know. <laughs> Are you serious? You know? Hello? Isn't that just like us? Huh? It is. But here in this text of Scripture, when we get into, uh, you know, the New Testament, we're finding that, you know, if we'll not, pay attention right here, if we'll not examine ourselves, God will do it for us. God will do it for us. Read on. Go down a little bit. Uh, verse 28, verse 29. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation uh, to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, what, what cause? Because you won't judge yourself, you won't examine yourself. He says this, many are what? Weak and sickly among you and many sleep. That doesn't mean good night. No, I, yeah, that's another kind of sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So God's saying this in the New Testament, principles established in the Old Testament, 
New Testament, it's reinforced, and God says this, I'm going to give you an opportunity to judge yourself, examine yourself, but if you won't, I'm going to have to do it for you. Because if that stays in you, it's not going to be good for you. Are you with me? Here's what God knows. God knows a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Just take just, just a little bit, <laughs> right? Just a little bit of bitterness, you know? You know how much alcohol it takes for a man to be an alcoholic? Just a little bit of alcohol. Just a little bit. Why? Because it never stops at a little bit. You know, it always leads on and leads on. And then I want you to notice just one final thing in closing. I, I, wanna, I, want, you to see, I want you to see the principle illustrated. I want you to see the principle illustrated. You know, you know the Lord is a great teacher, right? You read through the New Testament, some of his sermons and the parables, and, and, and he, he, just, he, he would be able to paint word pictures, right? Make, make it very visit, vivid. He was really amazing with that. Some of his disciples ever do the same thing. I want you to notice one, one such word picture. Look at Ephesians with me, if you would, chapter 6. Can you turn over there? Ephesians chapter 6. I'm not going to throw this up on the screen. I want to look at a couple of verses here. Ephesians chapter number 6. Look at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You with me? This is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So help, let's stop and pause for a second. Let's not assume everybody understands what that means. Right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the very first commandment that has a promise attached to it. That's how that could read. Are you with me? Right? So what's the promise? Look at the promise. Look at verse number three. That it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. You see that? Huh? Uh, so, Using common, sanctified, sanctified common sense, because every once in a while we, we have to use common sense, but I hope it's sanctified common sense. I would say this. If things aren't going well for you, maybe it's because you violated a principle in the Bible. Maybe not this principle, but a principle. Huh? I, I think I can freely say this. Uh, there are many people who are struggling financially Christian folk, members, struggling financially simply because every single week of their lives they rob God. They don't tie their income. They don't give an offering. You know, and so you know what God does? God just, man, he just, he just, he sends, if you look at that text of Malachi chapter number three, we stop at verse 10, but in verse 11, he talks about the devourer. And so if you're not tithing, if you're robbing God, he sends the devourer. And only the Lord can rebuke the devourer. So the idea is this, you know, when things aren't going well for us, we ought to draw a line from whatever's not going well for us to Bible principles that we might be violating. Yeah. Because there's a whole lot of connection in that. Why? Because once you get saved, you belong to Jesus. Now I belong to Jesus, Jesus belongs to me. That's the truth, right? We have been bought with a price. <laughs> we no longer are our own. I, 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 I had a quote today from a theologian that you might know. His name is Joe Seltzer. <laughs> Father Joe. I love this, Joe. I've been chewing on this all afternoon. 
We had a little discipleship time together today. And Joe said this, Pastor, is it, is it okay to say that I am becoming what I already am? We were talking about sanctification, positional sanctification. And I said, man, that's good. Now, you'll get that another week or two, maybe a month. I am becoming what I already am. And the idea with that is this. Once you get saved, you are, you are placed in heavenly, you're positioned in Christ. You no longer have say. You may think you have say, but you don't have say. Hello? Because you say, oh, no, I do have say. I'm not going to tithe. Don't. But you're not going to enjoy all that money you think you're saving. Right? Why is that? Here's why that is. There are a number of things in the Christian life that are conditional. They're conditional. God's love for us is not conditional. Right? He loves us anyway. He loves us just like, just like we are. Lock, stock, and barrel and all the baggage that we carry, right? I mean, he loves us. But other things are conditional. For example, you look in the book of Proverbs. I love Proverbs 3. It's a, it's a this and that kind of an idea. You do this, God will do that, right? So look at this. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And so what do you have to do before he directs your paths? In all your ways, acknowledge him. He didn't say he's going to direct your paths no matter what happens. No, you need to acknowledge him. It's conditional, right? Uh, here's another one. Uh, honor the Lord with your substance. Then your barns will be filled. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your substance, and then I'll fill your barns with plenty, right? Here's one that we all know, Matthew chapter number 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and these things shall be added unto you, right? You see the conditions there? conditional. And so the conditions must be met. And so I find this, I find that when God gives repeated instruction, it's good, it's for good reason. It's for good, it's good for us to heed, you know. And I think we have a tendency to forget, we have a tendency to, to, to neglect. And there are times that we just ignore self-examination. We just ignore it, you know. Say, so why? why? Why do we ignore it? Well, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe we think we can get by. Hmm. <laughs> You know, maybe we're too prideful to admit we've got something going on in our lives. You know, right? Just too prideful. Uh, maybe we just, we just get lazy, you know? And our Christian, you know, our Christian walk isn't the most important thing to us, you know? Staying right with God is not that important to us, you know? But I, I know this. I think, I think adversity could be God's way of prompting us to examine ourselves. Now, I can go back to that one Bible verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 5. It's because God wants you to know what's still in you. Did it ever surprise you when something comes out of you that you thought you already got rid of, but it's still there? Huh? Now, I don't want to frighten you off, but Sunday morning, we're going to look at James chapter number three. Any idea what that speaks about? The tongue. A spoken word, spoken word. And I'll guarantee you this, most of us, and I, if you were to tell me you've never offended by your word, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't believe you. I love you, but I wouldn't believe you. I'd probably tell you to go to confession on Saturday night and get that right. You know? And every once in a while, and here's what Jesus said, whatever comes out of your mouth, 
is coming from the heart, right? And so it's what we say is what we are. Oh, I didn't mean that. Yes, you did. In fact, if you really could, you'd probably tell us a whole lot more. I'm sorry, but I didn't mean to say that about you. Well, fact of the matter is, I did. My filter was off, and I just said it. Hello? Nobody really believes it when you offend them and you say, I didn't mean it. Uh, I was just in a fit of rage. Where'd that come from? It had to be in your heart for it to come out of your mouth. And the whole idea is this. God's trying to say, let me help you get it out. And the only way you can is when you do a little self-examination, when you're willing to look inside, right? I preach a message, and one day I'll preach it here. It's one of my all-time favorite messages. It's a sugar stick. Where's all the preachers? No preachers in here. Every preacher knows what a sugar stick is. It's one of their favorite messages to preach, and I've preached it hundreds of times. And I simply called, follow me. And here's what I say in the message. When you follow Jesus, you say, Lord, if I follow you, where are you going to lead me? Now, he doesn't give us that luxury, does he? He just says, follow me. The disciples didn't say, where are we going? He would have said, follow me. But when you think about it, he leads to obvious places, right? You think about that. I mean, he'll lead you to church. You follow Jesus, he's going to lead you to church. And, and then he leads, to, he leads to some difficult places. Can I tell you one of the difficult places he leads me? Into the recesses of my own heart. And I often say, Lord, what are we doing here? And he says, we got some things to deal with. We got some things to deal with. We got some things to deal with. Look here. We're here to get all the wrinkles ironed out before we go there. Amen? And that's what church is. It's just, it's just a workshop. You know, we, we come to church to worship, but, man, we leave with so much information to begin to work on. It's a workshop. And I would hope that we look at adversity and begin to understand that, you know, it has a little bit to do with digging in and examining self you know, and just, just to see if there's something there that needs to go, right? Let me ask you this. Don't say anything. Well, you don't anyway. Is God working in your life these days? Beginning of a new year, right? Maybe it's the end of an old year. Who knows? Maybe we're right in the middle of the year. Is God working in your life? I would hope every one of us would be able to say, preacher, I know. I see the hand of God in my life every day. Sometimes it's correction, and that's okay, because it's proof that he loves me. Because if I can get away with all this nonsense, right? My father wouldn't let me get away with anything, nor does my heavenly father. Do you see God working in your life? And then the follow-up question would be, you know, how you doing with that? Are you allowing him to work? Are you pleased that he's working? Are you, are you begging him to work? God, help me to be, you know? Help me to be what I already am. That's good, Joe. Right? I mean, we're already positioned in Christ. Now I just got to get to that where it becomes a daily reality so that people see Jesus in me. And that's what God's trying to do. Amen? All this and heaven too. Woo! Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store.
If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.